Unbillable Hour Community Table, where real lawyers from all around the country with real issues they are dealing with right now meet together virtually to present their questions to Christopher T. Anderson, lawyer and law firm management consultant. New questions every episode, and none of it scripted. The real conversations happen here. In our first segment, Christopher and Rob highlight the do's and don'ts of New Year's resolutions for law firm owners. What I find with a lot of law firms is that the mistake that they make is they look at their prior year. So they'll sit here in January and go like, okay, how did we do in in the previous year? And then, all right, what do we want to do? We want to grow 10%. We want to grow 20%. We want to grow 50%. We want to grow 100% from there. And then they'll make a budget. And they'll take that budget and use the prior year and just sort of increment everything. And that's not very motivating. So it's, there's nothing like, it doesn't mean that you can't hit that budget. But the problem is that, that there's no why behind it. So, you know, oh, we're going to grow 50%. Why? I don't know. It sounds like somebody told me that was a good number. Or that's what my friend did. Or that's what, you know, these advertisers say we can do or whatever. And that's just not the right place to start. So what is? The right place to start is what do you want your business to do for you in the coming year? Now, we're going to have to test that, right? If you're like, I want my business to send me a billion dollars. Well, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. However, we're going to then have to back fill that and say, are you willing to do the things? Are you able to do the things that would need be needed to be done to reach that number? Um, and with every, you know, wherever you are, with every growth increment, it gets more challenging to make the next growth increment depending on what what it is you set. Um, but you have to like understand what the ramifications are. Some parts of your business will grow linearly with your growth. Some will grow more slowly with your growth and some will grow exponentially with your growth. And so it is important to take those all into effect. But it really starts with what do I want my business to do for me? Because that's the one factor that you can attach a why to. You know, I want my business to, instead of sending home $200,000 with me, I want my business to send home $250,000 with me. Why? Well, my kids are four years away from college and I need to put $50,000 a year more away in order to be able to fund their college. Great. I want to be able to retire in seven years. Great. Whatever the reason is, if, if by, by your own personal budget, your own personal goals, um, I want to buy a... Uh, Audi GT Touring Edition uh, this year. Great. Yeah, whatever your personal goals are that feed what you want your total owner benefit to be should form the basis. And then you take that number, and that's the number that has to come to you as total owner benefit. And that can come to you in three main ways. It's actually four ways. The three main ways I, I always talk about are your salary. Your, the business should be paying you a salary. Your regular distributions. Um, the business should pay you regular distributions and profit share. Your business should pay you a percentage of the profit that the business makes. Those are the three main ways. Actually, so actually there's five now. I'm so sorry. The fourth way is perks. Things the business pays for that if you had a regular job, you'd have to pay for yourself. The business might pay for your vehicle. And you know, there used to be jobs that did that, but very few jobs today do. So that might, you know, your cell phone, your business might pay for your cell phone. The business might pay for some travel um, because you connect some vacations 
to business travel in an IRS compliant way that I'm not going to advise you on because I'm not a tax advisor, but you know the perks that come to you. So that's the four ways of incoming. And then the fifth way is less anything you have to put into the business. So hopefully you don't have to put anything in, but if you do, um, then that would be less that. So that all then goes into become the basic foundation for your budget, for your business, for the coming year. And then based on that, you figure out how many yeah, you know your total case, your average case value. You know a lot of things about your business from prior years. You then can figure out how many new cases you need, how much team you need to service that, et cetera, and you know, what other expenses will be incurred because of that. Do you need to increase your rent? Do you need to increase your utilities? Do you need to increase um, your software expenses? Do you need to change other things about your business? And that all flows from the most important decision, which is how much money do I want to be able to take from the business? this year. So that's on the acquisition side. As we're planning for the business, Rob, let me turn it over to you. What other things um, should folks be thinking about as they really stack hands by the end of January on what the rest of the year is going to look like? Well, you had mentioned, you know, a lot of these things supporting um, the preparation of a budget. Everyone should have a budget or pro forma for 2024. If you don't, it's certainly not too late. And the foundation for that really is your 2023 PL to have kind of a postmortem on the year. Analyze your PL. How profitable were you? What percentage net profit are you? What type of ROI are you getting on your billable resources, like your attorneys and your paralegals? You know, for half for every dollar you're spending on marketing, how many dollars in revenue are you bringing in? Your marketing ratio. What are your largest expenses? How is your revenue broken down by SKU, if you're able to do that? Cost of goods, average case value, you know, and some of the other things that Chris mentioned. You pull that out of the 2023 PL and you use that as the basis for 2024 to make sure that whatever your revenue goal is, whatever your total owner benefit goal is, it has to be supported by the numbers. Okay. You could say you want. 300,000 in regular distributions, and that's fine as long as the numbers support it. And you have to assume that a lot of these ratios and percents um, and whatnot from 2023 are going to persist for at least a month or two or three into 2024. And that is the sanity test or the reasonableness test. Um, and then as your revenue goals are going up, do you have the capacity? Do you have the personnel to support it? Do you have utilization? Do you have the technology and systems in place? And I encourage everyone to just take a step back. Does it make sense? You know, if you have 20 people right now supporting $3 million of revenue and you're going to $6 million, have you increased personnel? What type of personnel? What are your assumptions? And just kind of make sure that things pass the smells test. In other words, that, that'd be my recommendation. Get your data for 2023, extract, analyze. Then as you're preparing your 2024 with your revenue goal and your total owner benefit, does it make sense? Does it add up? Yeah, I asked the primary question, which is why. You, you ask the question, is it pass a smell test? And for that, like my, my biggest recommendation is that you have to, it is a best practice to then have, have that plan reviewed by somebody else who's not emotionally and otherwise invested in your business. A third party that you trust, 
If you don't have someone like that, of course, you can reach out to us here at sunnysidelaw.com. And we will be glad to engage with you to take a look. Um, it'll be you know, limited engagement. Um, we'll be glad to take a look, give you some pointers, sanity test it, ask you some very difficult questions uh, to make sure you're on the right track. So if you would like us to help you with that, Christopher at SunnysideLaw.com and let us know and we will um, connect with you on that. If you want to boil down what you shouldn't do in the new year with your business, the answer is engage in magical thinking. There's actually a fascinating article. I believe it's in the Atlantic. The, the title of it, I believe, is something like, you can't just become a different person. The thrust of it isn't that we can't change, that we can't make differences in our business, but that this whole notion of New Year's resolutions is kind of premised on magical thinking. And the magical thinking is, if I just change, then I'll change. If I, you know, if starting today, I'm going to start running three miles a day. Starting today, I am going to be more profitable. Starting today, I'm not going to make higher C people, you know, C C or lower grade people. Starting today, I'm not going to take any more of these kinds of cases. Now, can you do all of those things? You bet you can. But it goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago, which is it's not enough to just decide that you're going to do it. That is an important step. It's a really important step. But then the minute you decide it, you got to go like, okay, that's the what. First of all, why? Because if you can't tie a why to it, you will fail. This is why New Year's resolutions fail. People don't tie a why. That means something to them, to their resolution. That failure would mean something painful to them. And then finally, you have to commit the first step is not, you know, people say the first step is tying on your shoes. No, the first step is a how. How am I going to do this? Right? I, that I'm going to have to take time to run every day. I'm going to have to change my nutrition, perhaps, to run every day. I'm going to have to not get injured if I haven't been running at all by starting to run three miles a day. Maybe I should talk, part of my how is I should talk to a coach um, about what I need to do to be able to run three miles a day without getting hurt. What, you know, if it's your business, if you're going to be more profitable, what do I need to do to be more profitable? You know, spend less money. Well, that could be good. That could be bad. Um, if you cut marketing expenses, you'll be more profitable for about a month. <laughs> and then bad things will happen. Uh, so there's the how becomes the real deal. Um, and it's when you know that you are serious about your resolution, when you figure out, the how. Listen, making the decision, super important. But I don't like, there's, there's coaches in the world who engage in this sort of magical thinking where the, you make the decision and then everything, the universe will align to, to, to make it happen in sort of, sort of magical way. No, the universe will align to support you in your decision as you take the steps necessary to implement it. As you make it clear to the universe how you plan to do it because that clarity of thought and clarity of action is what aligns other forces behind you. So that's my, what you shouldn't do. Rob, do you want to augment that? Yes. Um, so some of the lessons as you head into the new year, um, number one, I would say don't recreate the wheel. You know, you've been successful. You've had a lot of things that are working. Uh, they can be tweaked, but definitely continue to leverage what's working and improve on it. Number two, as I was mentioning before, whatever your goals are for the year, make sure that they are supported 
by hard data and analysis. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up for failure. Third, I would highly recommend communicating with your team. A lot of firms have an annual kickoff meeting or something similar. Discuss your goals for the firm for the year. Get buy-in. Make sure everyone's on the same page. Share your vision. Next, anything new and exciting that you are trying in the new year, make sure that you manage it and monitor it religiously. Obtaining data and analysis on a daily, weekly, monthly rate, whatever is appropriate, but make sure that we are managing managing any type of new initiative well, make sure it's profitable and cut it off if it is not. Those would be the things I would add. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Law Clerk's nationwide network of talented freelance lawyers is trusted by thousands of law firms. Solo attorneys and firms can get help with project-based work and also ongoing work via a subscription. Sign up is free and there are no monthly fees. You only pay when you delegate work. Plus, Law Clerk has a new app for your mobile device to help you manage the work you've delegated while you're on the go. Be sure to use referral code UNBILLABLE when you sign up at lawclerk.legal. In the next segment, Christopher works with an attorney to determine why her law firm's sales percentages are down. So I got back from my sabbatical, which went really well, up until about the last week and a half of it, when my sales team pretty much shit the bed and we're in like a complete sales slump. Oh dear. So like they sold well until the last week? Yeah. Huh. What happened? I'm trying to figure it out. I've been listening to calls and the calls are going well. I don't know what else I should be doing other than, because typically if we're in a sales slump, something's going on, you know, folks aren't using the script or they aren't really digging deep with people. We're getting a lot more money objections than we have previously gotten. And I think some of that is them not really getting them as invested early on in the call and digging to find the money before you get to asking for the money. We've identified that and are working on that and things have turned around a bit, but I'm just trying to think through what else should I be doing with my sales team to get them back on track. My first thought is like one week, the first thing I would do is say is just everybody breathe, right? Uh, a week long slump you know, is not that uncommon. Well, um, it started about a week and a half before I came back. It lasted two and a half weeks. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, and by slump, down by what? What percent are we down to, to from normal? Closing from 65 to 70% to now closing at about 40%. Okay. So a pretty big drop. And what's lead flow? So let's let's walk through the process because we've got to figure out where it is. That number that you're giving me is from person that's made it to the sales appointment. Yeah? Correct. Okay. How's the lead flow? Is the number of leads staying consistent? The number of leads is consistent. Okay. And the number of 
appointments scheduled from those leads? Has that been consistent? Fairly consistent. Up or down? If down slightly, because we okay. consults are still the his his book is pretty full. Okay. And then people and how about showing up? Are people showing up? They're showing up. Okay. So everything stayed consistent except the close rate went down. Correct. And how many people we didn't are on change the, anything in marketing? Yeah. How many people are on your sales team? That are doing consults, one. Okay. Did you simply ask what happened? Yes, I did. His default is they don't have any money. Did you go deeper with him? I did. And even today, I went deeper with him. He came in. They were um, non-citizens. They didn't have a social, so they couldn't apply for financing. The party who needed representation was filing the action against the person who financially supports them. The first thing I asked him, because she came in with a whole, they came early. She had a whole family with her. They had the kids with her. The first thing I asked him, I was like, is there not anyone in that room who could find some resources, a credit card or someone to call? And he went back. And we it, it's also a case where fairly quickly we'll be able to get the party support. Right. And so I gave him that tip as well. And then he went back in the room and they retained. So I think it's a lot of that not prejudging for, for starters and, and not really going deep into helping but, them find the money. But so that means that from everything you've told me that this he's previously been better at helping them find the money and now he's fallen off. So the question is, and what I, what I meant by have you gone deeper with him is what's happened in his life. He's having, he's having a money problem, a personal money problem. And, and he's feeling he's dropped himself into a scarcity mindset and it's showing up in his consults. So we need to figure out what's going on. And like, this is just a love call I mean, it's like, or a love conversation, right? Like, hey, man, you know, I was been thinking about, you know, what we talked about and people aren't able to find the money. And, you know, in my experience has been that, you know, you've been really good at that before and now you're not. So let's just talk about what's going on. And by the way, I just want you to know if there's ever anything that's going on with you, I would do anything to help you because I don't want you stressed out about your personal life or anything else, you know, because you do a great job here. Um, so, you know, what's what's going on, man? What, what do you think is really happening here that you're that you're like, having a harder time with this conversation? And but, you know, it's got to come from like it's got to come from love. Like you, this conversation could go totally south if you don't do this right. Yeah. But that's that would be my instinct is that this guy's having money problems mm. somewhere. Maybe kids' tuition went up, or maybe a kid's going to school, or I, I don't know. That's my gut as to what's going on here. That's exactly what happens to me when I'm uh -huh. oh, yeah. financially stressed. Exactly. You either go one or two ways, right? You show desperation, or you are afraid to ask for the money because you're not in that. Your head's not there. Mm-hmm. And you forget, as he did, I mean, that was a perfect example you gave, that you're there to help these people. How dare you let this whole family come in the office and then walk out without you helping them? Like that, that's... When I walked through the lobby and I realized they had showed up 30 minutes early, the whole family's here, I pretty much banked that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know what community they come from. It doesn't matter. You know, but when people have that much family support, there are other people around them. They will that will pull and come together, and particularly like you've got a light at the end of the tunnel here. Like you, you get to the the, first, the temporary hearing, 
and you get some money coming. Yeah. And it's a TPL. So, I mean, the hearing's in 10 days. Yeah. I hope that helps. I mean, I hope that helps with the conversation. Yeah. Because I didn't, I almost didn't ask because I was, I was like, I know what to do, but no, that was completely outside of what I thought to do. Rob? I think your answer um, is spot on. There's a lot of insight there. The only thing I would add would be, it's a fundamental strategy for any salesperson in this business to understand that when the family's there, that's who we would go for support, even financial support. So I, I think this is like legal selling 101. Why didn't your sales rep ask that question initially? Why isn't that on, you know, so your salesperson, any salesperson, they know the common objections in any practice, like said, let's mm-hmm. say the top five objections. And either off the top of their head or via script or a knowledge management system, what are the two or three ways to overcome that objection? So, you know, you nailed it. You said they came in 30 minutes early, the family was there. And it seems like your salesperson didn't say, well, can someone in your family help you? Can someone help financially? Someone with a credit card? What other family resources do you have? That's fundamental to what they do. Um, So I would just make sure that this knowledge is encapsulated either in your script, knowledge management system, whatever. It should be on the top of their mind. Um, yeah. And I would definitely be questioning, why wouldn't they have exploited that strategy? You figured it out in one second walking in the door. That, that should right. be fundamental to their response. So what you're saying, Rob, is that there's a process issue here, that this should be like from the cheat sheet or whatever, the system. Process or yeah, they have or- it. Like I spent like a whole three days building an objections handling guide. And I refer to it and I refer my sales team back to it at least weekly. <laughs> they hear about this objection handling guide. And then I ask them, well, what does the guide say? You know, I refer them to it all the time. So it's yeah, built that's, out, that's... but they're not using it. And I need to figure out why he didn't. That one was so, again, when I, I was just running to the restroom and I, when I saw the whole family there, I asked the reception if it was a PNC waiting on our dragon. And she told me, yeah, they came early mm-hmm. and told me, she told me what time they had gotten there and what time their appointment was. Yeah. I banked the revenue. In my mind, the revenue was banked because how do you not close your, that? Your salesperson should have been thinking the same exact thing and you gave them the tools right. to not get out of the park. All they had to do was swing the bat. So, you know, mm-hmm. it could be Systemic could be training, could be process. It could just be that their heads in another place, mm-hmm. which gets to Christopher's point before. What's going on? Um, but I, I think this is all part and parcel of it, right? Because he was doing exceptionally well up until that period of time. I think what Rob's saying is exactly right. But like, this is a conversation not of why didn't you, but like, hey man, you know, how you doing? <laughs> What's going on? So cool, very cool. Find out how TimeSolve fits your firm. With six different ways to track time, surely one will fit, even on the go. Or quickly estimate flat fee projects. Batch payments for hundreds of invoices at once with TimeSolve Pay. Getting paid quickly is a great fit. And TimeSolve fits with the other tools you use. QuickBooks, LawPay, NetDocuments, LawRuler, Microsoft, all just plug in. Try TimeSolve free. Get a $100 Amazon gift card when you sign up. TimeSolve.com Nearly 80% of people search for lawyers online. They visit websites and check reviews. 
If your site doesn't appear in the top search results or it presents poorly, you risk losing clients. That's why you must know how your firm stacks up on Google against the competition. See how your reviews impact clients' decisions and how you can get better results from your site. Get an unbiased marketing performance report in under a minute right now at Grow Law Firm. And that's growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Once again, growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. For our final segment, an attorney wants to know if flying a job candidate out to meet the team is appropriate. I have a potential attorney candidate who lives out of state. She's moving here for other reasons, not it wouldn't be because of the job, right? She, she's moving here irrespective of the job. So we interviewed, had a great interview, kind of hit it off. You know, we're still in the in the process. But if I get to the point where it looks like all systems ago, I was thinking of doing something different than I normally do, and which was flying her out for a weekend. She's wrapping things up in her state, flying her out, or maybe not even a weekend, flying her out for a day or two, let her come, you know, see the office, hang out, you know, if she needs to work, she's a practicing attorney in her jurisdiction. So she might need to work remotely for a little bit, take to lunch, get to know her, kind of do that whole schmoozing thing. And literally see if we can work together and see what she's like in real life and have her see what we're like in real life. What am I missing? Or is that excessive? I don't think it's excessive at all. Um, Do I I put her up in a hotel, I guess? If if the reasons she's moving don't exist yet, then yeah. As, as, As you know, I guess the listeners don't necessarily know. I strongly believe that recruiting is marketing. And at the end of marketing comes... A sale. And what's the goal of a sale? Not to convince anybody of anything. The goal of a sale is to educate them sufficiently so they can make a proper decision. So it sounds to me as part of this process, you'd like to inject education of come see for yourself what this really looks like so you can make a decision. I can't find anything wrong with that. You know, the only the only employer that should find something wrong with that is someone who thinks that they that nobody would come to their business because of how it really is. And so you want to fool them. And that's not a good way to start. And I want to be able to confidently make a decision. Absolutely. I think, quite honestly, you'll learn less than she will in this process, particularly if she's going to work remotely. I mean, you can maybe spy on her. Or <laughs> see. Well, I was going to, that was my next question. Maybe is there something I could give her? I mean, she's not licensed yet. It's a whole thing. Of course there she's is. On motion for admission. Yeah, of course there is. I mean, you know, obviously don't give her something that like tests her extensive knowledge of procedure. But, you know, so that tests her thinking, you know, you can have her sit in on a call and then say, you know, what would, you know, what are your initial thoughts? You know, how is she thinking? How is she going to carve the problem out? We could do a swamp out and let her try. Do a swamp. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Have her participate in a swamp out. That's how you can get an idea of, of her thinking. Now, you know, the danger is some personalities will feel put on the spot. Um, and a little bit deer in headlights just because they're new and they might have done better two weeks in. But you'll get glimpses of whether this person can think their way out of a paper bag. And some just can't. And, and some can. I think that's part of the test as well, to be honest, because we're in a jurisdiction that's kind of like you got to make your way and speak up and be assertive and do your thing or you're never we're going to roll over you. 
kind of like driving. It's, it's, like, like, it's like driving in Manhattan. Like, get yeah. out of my way. Come with me or get out of my freaking way. So I want to see if she's got the chutzpah, we'll call it, to kind of roll with the way that we are in this area. Can you can you be tough enough to tough it out? Definitely. Culture, yeah. So that's what we're talking about there is cultural fit, um, think, thought fit. I think it's a great idea. Most people don't have the time themselves to invest in it, but I, I can't fault it not one little bit. I wouldn't, you know, I don't want listeners to say, oh my God, I have to fly every candidate out to my firm. No, but it sure won't hurt. I do this whenever possible. I invite candidates to our team meetings whenever possible and things like that for exactly this reason. I don't want them to join us with some misapprehension about who we are, right? Neither do you. Yeah. And that reminds me of a a, a different organization had their candidates come to a very popular event and a couple of them freaked. This is years ago. A couple of them freaked out because of what the event was. And they're like, thank you. Goodbye. You know, like it was all part of the process. Yeah. The interview process. Yeah, exactly. Very good. All right. So in uh, in th- on the third Thursday at three in February, we're going to have our guest who was the guest on the available hour and you can catch the show. His name is Joey Sieber. Joey and I had a wonderful conversation um, on the available hour, which again, you can listen to about his business, which is called Level Legal. But we talked about what well, that's important. And I think it will be great to ask him questions about are how to have a human focused approach while using the most modern technologies in your marketing and other aspects of your business. So going to be a great guest. Rob will be here. I'll be here. And you can ask questions to Joey Sieber on the Unbillable Hour community table, third Thursday at three in February. And of course, you can catch this show as well as all the Unbillable Hour episodes on LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Take care. Thank you for listening. This has been the Unbillable Hour Community Table on the Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, These immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app.